Welcome to Southside Student Ministries podcast, where we are all about developing students into lifelong followers of Jesus. We trust that the message that you are about to listen to will help you know God better and help you live a transformed life. If you have any questions about what you heard, please visit us online at www.southsidestudentmen.com. Thank you for listening. Here's the deal, okay? So we played that song, High High Hopes, and that song has literally become the anthem right now. Are there extra sheets of paper yes, floating around? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nathaniel has them all. I thought everyone was responsible. back row got skipped. So um, here's the reason why we played that video, okay? Because you probably wonder, literally, Mark, like, really paying at the disco, like, that's overplayed, whatever, this, that, or the other. This has become this generation's anthem right here, right now, for one specific reason, right? Everyone wants to be big. Everyone wants to make it. Everyone wants to make a difference in someone's life. That chorus is something that we sing all the time. Kind of high, high helps for the living. You know, didn't have a dime, but I always had a vision. Like pretty much you always want to be focusing on doing something awesome. That video, he climbed a tower. He only went like 13 stories, which still is pretty nuts. But he wanted to climb a building in LA to kind of like, hey, I made it to the top. I made it. Everyone wants to make it in some way, shape, or form, whether it's you know, political careers, whether it's uh, financial, whether, whether it's a job, maybe like you, know, like you want to score that girl out of your league. You want to score that girl out of your league, Chance? Yeah. Chance, like, I already got it. So, but we all have these goals and aspirations, things that we want to do, including with our lives, we all want to make a difference. If I ask everyone in this room, if I said, hey, raise your hand if you wish your life would just amount to nothing, and that when you died, no one remembered you. So if I said, hey, raise your hand if you want that to be you, Hopefully, no one will be raising their hand because we all want to make a difference. We all want to actually go and do something. We all want to go and impact the world. If you're sitting here in this room right now, you probably want to do that. Whether it's with your life with Jesus, maybe you're just exploring and you're not sure exactly what to do, but you know you need something. Maybe you've been coming here for some of you guys. This is year five for me. Some of you guys have been with me the entire time. We've gone on a long journey, many conversations, many talks, many let's go out for coffee, let's go out for this, come over to my house, hang out, because we're trying to do something awesome in your schools, in your communities, in your lives, and you know your life was made for something bigger. You knew your life was made for something more. You might have thought, you know what? I think I want to make a difference, but here's the problem. Not many people actually do. Everyone wants to make a difference. Everyone wants to actually do something with their lives. But the problem is, is many people actually don't make a difference at all. They might, and they, they might make a difference in certain areas, but they might not be important areas. And here's the question. Why do some people not make a difference? How come some people don't do anything with their lives? How come some people, when they die, they look back and they just have regret after regret and after regret? And I think there's one little reason why people don't actually go and make a difference. You know what that word is? Comfort. I think a lot of people don't make a difference in the world because of comfort. We like to stay in our own little bubble. We like to do our thing. We don't like to go out and stretch ourselves because that is uncomfortable. We don't want to start new businesses because it's comfortable to just be where we're at. We don't want to go make new friends because it's more, it's, it's honestly, the fear of being rejected is bigger than the fear of even trying. We don't want to actually go and do something with our lives because we are just simply scared. We're comfortable. We like it. And as Americans in the 21st century, we are as comfortable as they come. I'm as comfortable as they come. I have a house with multiple bedrooms for each one of my kids, which is only two. 
And then Nicole and I, we have plenty of space. We got two cars. We can go wherever we want to go. We got money for gas. We got money for food. I got the latest phones. I got latest iPads. I got multiple computers. I got coffee whenever I want. Like it's a pretty, pretty comfortable life. So why would I want to give that up for anything or anybody or do anything? Some of the biggest people in the world had to give up their comfort to go and do something crazy and to actually give their lives up to go and do anything. A lot of people though, when they get to the end of their lives, they look back and they go, I wish, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have talked to this person. I wish I would have started this business. I wish I would have taken part in this nonprofit. I wish I would have done X, Y, Z. And I don't want that to be your guys' story. When you guys get to the you know, old people age, I won't tell you who, what the old people's age is, but when you guys get to the old people age and you're sitting at the home and you eat some jello because you ain't got no teeth, I don't want you to look back and go, you know what? Well, that was comfortable, but I really didn't do anything with it. I want you to look back and go, you know what? It was hard. It was challenging. I had to trust God for a lot of things, but I made a difference because I stepped out of my comfort zone. Many of us, though, want to be comfortable in our faith. A lot of people don't want to go out and share their faith, even with tithing, giving back to God. But a lot of times people fight that word tithe because they're like, you know what? This is my money. I don't want to give it to God. They do it with church attendance, with, with being a part of a community, being a part of a small group. Oh, I can't go church two times a week. Oh, I ain't got time for that. I only got time for maybe like an online service every other week, and maybe I'll go to church when it's convenient. We like to do what's comfortable, and we don't like to take that step out in faith and actually do it. But at the end of the day, we are called to make a difference. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're called to go and make a difference. And I think you guys understand that. I think you guys actually want it. You guys wouldn't be sitting here in this room on a Sunday night when you guys could be going chilling somewhere else just because you want to hear me talk for a half hour. I can guarantee none of y'all want that. Y'all rather go do something else and listen to me talk for a half hour. But I bet you're sitting here right now because you want to make a difference. And I think with tonight, when we go through all of these various ideas and thoughts and processes, I really think that we can actually do it. Today, we're going to look in the book of Acts. I know some of you guys are like, oh, we're going back to the book of Acts. But we're going to go into the book of Acts, and we are going to see an account of Jesus to his disciples. We're going to go to Acts chapter Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be at. And we're going to see three action steps that will actually help us become different makers in our societies, different makers in our schools, different makers in our lives, in our families, whatever word you want to put it in there, all the way to the ends of the earth. Well, you can actually be a different maker if you follow these three steps that Jesus actually gave his disciples as well. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, which I think is the first little spot on your slip right there. What passage are we in? We are in Acts chapter 1. Are there actually more slips in the back so I can steal one real quick so I can make sure I follow along? Are there extras? Is it Eli hogging them all again? That's okay. You like that little Instagram shout out, by the way, to that Eli? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I was trying to be funny. So Acts chapter 1 is where we are at. Where we are going to pick up in this book is when Jesus actually was crucified. He died. He rose again. He appeared to, his, his, uh, to over 500 people. And these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. This is kind of the, the, the culmination of his ministry. This is what his disciples are going to remember him saying. They remember all the works, but if you want to make an impact, the last words you want your disciples, your followers to remember should be pretty important. And these are the, some of the last words that Jesus ever told his disciples. But before we get to what we're going to read, let's back up a little bit, okay? How long did the disciples live and travel and <coughs> do ministry with Jesus? Does anyone actually know how many years? Yeah, Daniel. 
No, no, not 15. It's really short, actually. Three. The disciples were with Jesus for three years. They actually heard Jesus taught. They saw him heal the blind. They saw him actually make like Lazarus like dead and like rise again. They experienced and watched every single little thing. And they get to the very end and they're like, yo, Jesus, when are you going to put these Romans in their place? Jesus amassed quite a following and they were really excited to see Jesus literally stick it to the man and put Rome right where Rome deserved and we're going to pick up in that little story right there, that passage where Jesus actually tells them what to expect in the rest of their lives. So Acts 1 is where we're going to be. We're only going to read a few verses, and we're not going to read them all at once. We're going to read it, talk about it, read it, talk about it, read it, and talk about it. So Acts 1, verses 6 and 7 are going to be the first two verses that we're going to read. Uh, who wants to read? Eli wants to read? You can read, Eli. You can read the next one, Marissa. So Eli, read Acts 1, 6 and 7. <clears throat> Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Awesome. Thank you, Eli. So this is kind of the culmination that the disciples and all the Jewish people thought the Messiah was going to do. They thought the Messiah was going to come. He was going to set up an earthly kingdom, get rid of everybody else, and they were going to live in that perfect world that they were like free of Rome, free of persecution, fear, uh, no, uh, free of fear, free of hate, all these various different things. They're like, hey, Jesus, you, you defeated death. You did what you were going to do. You rose again. Is it time for you to set up your kingdom? It's what they were expecting. It's what they were hoping for. They were like, Jesus, we know what's up. Can you do this now? And what is Jesus' answer to them? Jesus literally said, um, that's for me to know and you to find out later. In other words, here's what Jesus says. He's saying that you might have plans that you think I'm supposed to do, but you really don't know. In fact, you have to totally trust and rely on me in order to make a difference in this world. And that's the first thing that you guys should actually write down on your slips. The first one is you should seek total trust in God. When Jesus answered the disciples, when, he's, when they're like, hey, can we build the new kingdom now? Jesus doesn't give them words of comfort where it's like, hey, you know what? Just wait a little bit. Just wait a little bit. I'll be okay. We'll get there. We'll make it. Just wait a little longer. Jesus literally says, oh, I ain't going to tell you. No. You have to have total faith and trust in me. And that's one of the hardest things that we can do as Christians because there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns. Even your guys' life as teenagers, there's a lot of things where like, oh, I hope I can make, I really don't know what's going to happen. And the older and older you get, the more fear comes from not knowing. You guys want to know what one of the greatest fears that I have as a, as, a, as a father is? One of my greatest, greatest, greatest fears is that Elliot and Eve will grow up and they will hate me, they will hate God, and they'll walk away from Christianity. It's one of my greatest fears. One of my greatest fears as a youth pastor is for you guys to study under me for six years, to go to college, even as a Christian or not, and then walk up about the age of 26 and go, yo, Mark, I'm an atheist. I hate God. That's a fear that I have. And I'm not trying to put that on you guys, okay? I'm just telling you, this is something that I have a fear. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, I have no control over that. My job as a dad is to raise Elliot the way God has called me to. My job as a husband is to love Nicole in the way Jesus tells me. My job as a youth pastor is to teach you guys, to train you guys, to equip you guys, to set you guys up in such a way where you can discover God for yourself, where you can actually know God, not just read the Bible, but know the God who wrote the Bible, that you guys can be connected as a church, that you can go out and do what? Be 
transformed. You can go out and be transformed and change the world. That's not my job. That's your job. But at the end of the day, we have to totally trust God for everything. As you get older, you're going to have to do a lot of trusting. You're going to be sending out college applications, not knowing what you're going to do. <laughs> you're going to apply for jobs, not knowing what you're going to do. You're going to go like, God, am I going to be single till I'm like dead? Like that's a fear that some of you guys have. You have to trust God at all times and even when it is uncomfortable. And here's the other thing, okay? There's going to be things that come up in your life that are so outside of your control you didn't even see coming. A loss of a spouse, like your spouse actually dying, a kid that you had who got miscarried. Maybe even your spouse will walk out on you and give you a divorce. Maybe your parent will die like mine. Maybe you will lose the job when you need that money to pay your mortgage. Maybe your cars, both cars, which I know people, both cars broke down and you can't even get to work anymore. So many people will look at the, the problems of their life, the problems of this earth and go, God, why the heck did you do this? Why? It hurts. Why are you doing this to me? But at the end of the day, we have to have total trust in God. We can say, God, we know you're going to build your new kingdom. We know you're going to get rid of death. We know you can save everybody. So why don't you? And God says, just trust and wait. So here's the question. What can we do while we're waiting? What can we do in order to actually get our mind focused on the right proper things of while we're actually waiting for God to show up? There's three things, three little mini, little mini action steps, I guess is the bit. Thing. So here's one of them. What should we do when we are seeking God but life doesn't seem to be going as planned? Here's the first one. Rather than ask why, start asking what now. Rather than asking why, start asking what now. You already said this. I know you. So I can ask questions. I can ask the question of, you know what? God, why did you take my dad away from me? God, why did my stepdad walk out on us? God, why did this happen? God, this is actually a legitimate question that Nicole and I had. God, why are you shutting down Northland while we're still here? Why are you doing this? This, is what, this was our life. This was supposed to be what it is. There's going to be so many questions that you have of why, but rather than asking the question of why, because God might answer that, start asking the question of what now? What should I do now? What's the next step? How can I keep following after Jesus? Here's another thing that you can do. Rather than seeking comfort in things or attention, got it? Rather than seeking comfort in things or attention, find comfort in the God of the Bible. Teens, it's real easy to, get to put all your emotions up on Finsta. Put them all up on your Snapchat story. If some of y'all got... In, I know Hannah Weaver's got Facebook because she's my Facebook buddy. We're Facebook friends. Put all the junk on Facebook. And as you get older, the temptation becomes easier. I can't tell you how many people I see on Facebook that just use it as a big old venting platform. They're seeking things and attention. They just want to get the attention when life isn't going this way. They, they'll do the story of, oh, I can't believe this is happening again, period. And then all of a sudden goes, oh, what's going wrong? Like, uh, No, just go away. That's not the right way to approach it. Rather than seeking an attention or things, whether it's money, power, sex, control, rather than seeking all these things, Find your contentment in not the Bible, but the God of the Bible. The Bible will help you in so many different things, but the point of the Bible is not just for you to read. It's for you to actually fall in love with God who is behind the scriptures. So when life isn't going your way, go to God with it. You'll find him in the scriptures. You'll find him in prayer. You'll find him in hopefully good counsel. But at the end of the day, stop looking for attention and things just to get your soapbox off, but start going to God and Jesus instead. Here's the third thing you can do when life doesn't seem to be going as planned. Rather than curse God, pray honest and hopeful prayers to God. Pray honest and hopeful prayers to God. 
There's a book in your Bible called the Psalms. Y'all ever read it? You read Psalms, you literally see David saying things like, God, why are you doing this? This sucks. I hate it. You're supposed to take care of me. You're supposed to bless me, but you ain't. What the heck are you doing? David was real and he was raw and he was honest with God. He said, God, I don't know what you're doing. My enemies are surrounding me. I can't even see the way out. Seriously, you were supposed to protect me. I was supposed to be the next king and you're leaving me out here dry. What are you doing? David asked those questions and you can ask those questions of God too. God, why, why, why is this happening? But he didn't just stop at why. David didn't just stop at why, but he praised God for it. David could have said, you know what? You brought my enemies here. You, you're not blessing me. I'm walking away from you. I'm done with this. But every single time you see David say this, he'll say, praise be the God of my fathers. Praise be my God. Rather than find a way to curse God, he found a way to actually just pray honest and open prayers to God. Pour your heart out to him. Will God do everything that you want him to do? No. <laughs> Don't work that way. Will God answer every prayer? No, he won't. But God is a father. He wants to listen. If, if Elliot has something going on in his life when he gets older, I want him to talk to me. I want him to tell me. I might not be able to fix the situation. I probably won't be able to help him. But I want, I'm there to listen for him. I want to be a guy and a shepherd and a punching bag for him. So when things are going wrong in your life, you don't know what's going on, pray open and honest, vulnerable prayers to God. Maybe journal it out. Maybe text it on your notes app just so you can get it out rather than lose it in your brain. But actually go to God. Every single time that something is happening, are you asking the, or you should ask the question, am I going to God or am I running away from God? And these three things are a good test to do that. Are you actually not asking the question of why God, but what now? Are you starting to actually pray to God for a hopeful prayer? Are you going to the Bible or are you going to others to seek attention? We need to live our lives as we're totally, totally, totally trusting God. And if you want to be a different maker in this world, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. You're doing some things you don't want to do. And here's my question. Are you willing to seek God and trust him wholly in everything? Here's the second thing that we see in Acts that we actually have to do. Um, three, the three action steps to be a difference maker. And that is found in verse 8. So Marissa, can you read Acts 1 verse 8 for me, please? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And That's you it? That's it? Read verse 8 again. All right? I didn't oh, it must be 8a. They wrote, I wrote the wrong thing. I'm sorry. Read the first part of verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's a very short phrase, but it's a very, very powerful phrase. Let's have some fun with this, okay? So, uh, how many of you guys like play Madden or NCAA football, basketball, whatever? Do you guys ever see how many points you can score? Like you put the level on easy and you jack all your people up to 99 and you walk in going like, I got this, like you ain't going to lose. And if you do lose, you really do suck. 117? Oh, dude. So I used to try to do that all the time. Or let's about bring this into real life, okay? Let's say you, uh, how about this? The thing, you have a band, right? You have a band. You need a front man for this band. And you're like, I don't know who's supposed to sing for us. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Like seriously, you're like, I don't know who's going to do it. Then all of a sudden Kelly Clarkson walks in and be like, I got you. Like, let's sing. You know you're going to send, sell millions. You don't even, do you even know who Kelly Clarkson is? No. Of course he does. Toby, I got you. I got you. Toby Mac walks in and be like, I'll front your no, band. No. Let's go. I don't need an old, bald, white guy. Cassidy, Cassidy, you have a band. You have a band. And you're like, I need a front man. And Kelly Clarkson walks in and be like, I got you. 
She offers to heal. Can you change? <laughs> who, who do you want your front man to be? Who? Okay, whatever. Put whatever front man you want up in there to be your front man for your band. You know, all of a sudden you're like, you're gonna go from the, oh, we're gonna make some garage, we're gonna make some like, you know, just garage band that just plays on the weekends. And like, we're gonna live in mom's basement. All of a sudden, like, we are going to make millions and we are going to tour because this person, like Adam Levine, is our front man. Like, we gonna kill it. We just flat out know. You're gonna walk into every single concert going, we gonna kill this. We gonna make albums. It's gonna be sweet. Same thing for even sport teams. If all of a sudden you're playing football, you're like, I don't know what to do. Then all of a sudden, you know, here comes all of Clemson football, and we're like, we'll play for you guys. You're like, high school, y'all going to lose. Like, let's go. It's just you know, you have no doubt in your mind that you're going to be successful, that you're going to win, that you're going to dominate, that you're going to kill it. Did you know you have the exact same thing in your spiritual walk as well? The same, uh, pretty much the same expectation that you know you're never going to lose. You're always going to make millions. You're always going to do this. You're never going to have a worry that you're going to be successful. The Bible actually says that in spiritual things, you have the most powerful thing, honestly, the most powerful existence in the world living inside you. You have nothing to fear. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. In fact, we read in Romans, uh, Romans 8, verse 11, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. If you want to be a difference maker in the world, you can't just hang out in your own power. You can't hang out in your own abilities. Your abilities will get you through the door. In fact, you know, you kind of probably should be able to carry a tune in a bucket if you want to be a musician. Like, that's kind of just a fact. If you want to be an NBA player, you probably should not be a short white dude like me trying to make it in the NBA. It just ain't going to happen. At the same time, you know that you have this Holy Spirit's power inside of you to go and actually change the world. When we understand this, we don't have to worry about what comes up against us. If you're a missionary in the foreign field, you're going to come up against a lot of demon activity. In fact, I got lots of stories from missionaries who have that actually deal with demon possessed people, wish doctors and all of this. Uh, uh, Chaplain, uh, Champlin, also David Brainerd. There's stories in their biographies of they went up toe to toe with witch doctors and they won because they're like, I got the power of Jesus in me. I don't need to worry about your power of Satan because Jesus has already won. When you are living your life as a difference maker, you are going to be terrified. You are going to be scared. But Jesus says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. He told the disciples, the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll do magnificent things. The same Holy Spirit that, you know, actually helped the disciples, like we're talking like Jesus who preached at Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. The same guy who was in the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament and planted dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. The same Holy Spirit that was in C.H. Lewis, Billy Graham, you name any spiritual giant. Corey Tinboom, I know Nathaniel's reading that biography right now. The same Holy Spirit that let them be different makers in the world for Jesus is living inside of you. Holy crap. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, you have to make sure your priorities are in the right place, that you actually want to do something for Jesus. But if you want to do something for Jesus, are you just banking on your own abilities or are you banking on God's Holy Spirit to actually do something amazing through you? I'm asking me this question. You guys might not know it. I got a lot of gifts. <laughs> not to brag or nothing, but I got a lot of gifts. I'm very humble. I'm very humble. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I just bank on my own abilities to get me places, I'm going to get nowhere. 
I need to make sure I'm on my knees and I'm praying and I'm coming before God going, look, this is your youth group. This isn't mine. This is your churches. This is your church. This isn't my church. This is your message. And this isn't my message. Use me just as a voice piece, just as a, as a tool. This isn't my show. This is your show. Kind of like a Toby Mac. You ready for this? Like if you want to steal my show, just go do it. It's totally okay. Nathaniel's like, nope, nope, nope. Marissa's with me. Here's the question at the end of the day. Are you relying on the Holy Spirit's power to actually do something in your life? If the answer is no, my question is, what are you waiting for? It's right there. The last and final thing to be a difference maker is very... Actually, let me do one more quote before we go. Boop, don't read that. Um, William Carey. Does anyone know who William Carey is? I put this quote on your, on your, uh, your slip. Anyone know who William Carey is? Sounds familiar? He was the father of modern missions. Uh, he went to India, yeah. right? He went to India, and he actually, like, he was, um, if I remember right, he's actually Southern Baptist. hey -o. Um He actually raised support, went over to India, and started what is the, what we just, oh, it's mission work, it's whatever. He was the father of modern missions, and he said this. Ready? It's on your slip. It's on your slip. He said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things from God. All right, let's move forward. Number three. Here's the last and final thing. What? Number two. Wait, did I skip two? I didn't put two on the screen, did I? No. Oh, that's it. Live expecting God to do amazing things both in me and through me. My bad. I was wondering why y'all were freaking out. Hey, it was definitely Europe, not Just Live expecting God to do amazing things both in me and through me, but through whose power? God. Whose power? The Holy, the Holy Spirit's power. All right, number three. We find number three in, uh, let's go to it. Back in verse eight. Marissa, can you read the, like all of verse eight again for me since I rudely cut you off the first time? Yes. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right, this is the final step to be a difference maker. Here you go. Live a life that glorifies Jesus, not myself. Live a life that glorifies Jesus and not myself. That was verse 8, right? Yep, verse 8. Yep, yep. Okay, step into the shoes of the disciples, okay? Jesus, they, they ask you, hey, when's your kingdom coming? Like, we gonna do this or not? Like, we gonna kick some butt? Like, we ready to go do this? We followed you. Can we, like, you know, like, kill some people? Like, let's go do this. We bring the kingdom in? And Jesus is like, uh, I'm not gonna tell you. In fact, you ain't gonna know nothing, but I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit. Oh, and go out into the end of the earth and change the world. That's a pretty bold statement. And here's the deal. At this time, Jews and Romans were at a head, Okay. If Jesus didn't come and fix everything, if Jesus didn't come and set up his new kingdom, they knew they were going to die. Because here's the deal. The Jews hated the disciples and eventually they'd hate the Christians. The Romans also hated the Jews and they were going to just like keep fighting, fighting, fighting until eventually the Jews were going to rise up and try to gain their freedom. At the end of the day, they knew that if Jesus did not set up his kingdom right here, right now, they would probably be screwed. They would probably be dead. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Here's the deal. You don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit's power, and you're going to go live a life that honors and glorifies me. You're going to change the world. You're going to go and be different makers with my message. But here's the deal. These disciples would have to leave everything that was comfortable for them. 
The Apostle Peter, we believe, had an amazing fishing business. He gave it all up. The Apostle Paul literally had a legit career in the Jewish like inner sanctum of being a Pharisee. In fact, the uh, Apostle Paul says, you know what, there is no one better in my career than me. But he gave all of that up to go and follow Jesus. So many missionaries have left their homes. They have left their families. Many have given their lives because they wanted to go and make a difference for Jesus. And here's the deal. At the end of the day, Jesus calls us to do the same. Jesus calls us to give up our lives and go serve him. Does that mean you have to go overseas and be a missionary in Africa? No, it doesn't. But you know what it does mean? It means wherever you are, you are called to make a difference with what you have. In fact, Jesus even says, the, 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 the stuff, the money, the riches I gave you, you're not even supposed to use that for your own benefit. You're supposed to use that to make the kingdom even a better place. You're supposed to use that as a tool, not as a thing to hoard because it's all going to disappear. But lay it for yourselves, treasures in heavens. You're not taking anything else here with you on earth. Now, how do you handle that with a lot of things like retirement funds and making sure you have a house and all these different things? That's up for you to decide on how Jesus leads you. But at the end of the day, you are called to give up your life and go and make a difference with your own personal life. That means in your schools, maybe it's time for you to step up and join the FFA. Oh, no. FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Future Farmers of America. hey it's time to Woo! join the farm. Time to join the farm for Jesus. Get those overalls. Let's go. I'm as city as they come, man. It's time to city as they come. I can't do it. So, but here's the deal. Jesus might be calling you to go do something crazy or it might be do something small. Like I said, maybe it's to join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and to start leading actual things in your school to tell people about Jesus. Maybe he's telling you, you know what? I got a lot of friends that you need to step out to and go tell them about me. Well, they might hate you. They might reject you. Maybe. That's not up for them to decide. That's not up for you to decide. That's up for them to decide. That's between them and Jesus. God has called us to wherever we are, we're called to be missionaries. If you're called to be a plumber, be the best plumber for Jesus and use that as a tool and as a resource. If you're called to be a barista, use that to give me free coffee because I'm going to need it. Use it for Jesus. If you're called to do anything in this world, you are called and you're there for a purpose. It's the same exact thing that we actually read in the book of, uh, book of Esther. You are here for such a time as this. And I believe that you guys are at your schools and your families for a certain reason that God called you to be a difference maker. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. This is not a brag. This is just a you guys can do it to story, okay? With me at church today were some friends of mine. Um, we've been pouring on them for a long time. She's actually one of my baristas at Starbucks. And that's how the whole relationship started. We invited, the, like, we've been pouring into them, pouring into them, pouring into them. I walked life with them after they miscarried their baby. We were there for them. Our small group became a second family for them. In fact, they've been coming to our small group way more, be like, like, longer than before they even walked into our church. I joke with people all the time that Starbucks is my mission field, and it really is. Because here's the deal. I believe God put me in this city for a reason. This is my city. I'm going to do something great for him. And because I'm here, I need to be looking for opportunities to make God's name known. And here's my question for you. Where will you make God's name known? What step of faith will you take to make God's name known in your schools? Maybe in your career, maybe your career needs to change. Maybe all your life and goals and ambitions need to change. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do to be a difference maker for Jesus? In a little bit after we worship, I'm going to tell you guys of a great opportunity that we are going to do as a youth group to be a difference maker. 
What you're going to do individually, that's between you and Jesus and maybe your small group to keep you accountable. But as a youth group together, I'm going to share here in a little bit. Um, I got a friend of mine here with me tonight, and we're going to talk about how our youth group is going to be different makers for one kid's life. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a difference maker for Jesus, you have to, have to, have to do this. You have to trust God completely. Flat out, you got to trust God completely. Second, you have to expect that God's going to do great things and do great things through you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God says he